Good evening. How we doing? Yeah? All right. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 will be hanging out there tonight. Um, so I have spent uh, the majority of my 20s as a bachelor, uh, which is cool because you get to do a lot of bachelor things, right? Like, not like that show, because that's, like, not an accurate portrayal of the bachelor life, but, um, but you get to, like, do bachelor things, right? Um, but one of the downsides is that you're kind of forced to, to navigate life as an adult <clears throat> with community of other bachelors, a community of other, like, single bros, right? And that's, that's cool, but it's also pretty crash and burn, because you eventually learn that there's a reason why some single bros are single bros, and so you like realize that there's just some developmental stuff that we're like, oh wow, like maybe we don't have it all t- together, right? Um, well, about a year and a half ago, I made one of the greatest decisions of my life, and I asked out a girl named Haley White, and uh, some Haley White fans, um, and uh, Haley White did one of the more questionable decisions of her life, and she said yes, and so um, here's where we are about a year and a half in, and it's been awesome, um, but one of the things that, uh, that made that such a great decision <clears throat> is the fact that she's really good at life. Like, she's good at living. Like, she's going to live to be like 100 years old. I'm on pace to like 45, maybe, um, but she's just good at living life, and so um, over the last year and a half, she, she's kind of lovingly, graciously over time pointed out areas where I'm just like not really functioning as an adult. Um, and the more that I learn about, about myself, I'm like, I don't know how I've managed to live as long as I have. This is amazing. Um, and so I've, I've, learned, I've learned a ton. But she's graciously said, hey, let me help you kind of steer towards being a functioning adult. So uh, for instance, uh, I used to get haircuts whenever I would look in the mirror and decide, oh, I think it's time for a haircut. And when I look in the mirror and decide that it's time, it means it's like way past time, right? So as a result, I used to walk around looking like this, um, which can we like, like, like zoom in for a second? Look at that hair. That's unacceptable. A grown man should not have hair that looks like that. And so also just like to pick a bone with you all, I was on staff then and none of you told me. Like, I had to, like, date a girl for someone to say, hey, bro, your hair looks stupid. So uh, here, we can take that off because that's distracting me. Um, but, uh, and now I have, like, a, a haircut calendar where, like, I know when to get hair, haircuts so I look like an adult, right? Like, I don't look like a 12-year-old skater. And so I was like, man, that's, that's amazing. Um, she's really healthy, and so, and I'm, I'm not. So now I'm, like, eating healthy things, and I'm, like, like I'm eating pizza, guys with cauliflower crust. I don't even know what cauliflower crust is. Like, I don't know how you take a vegetable and make it a crust on a pizza, but it's amazing, and I'm gonna live longer, apparently, so that's amazing, right? I, uh, I exfoliate, and I moisturize now. Like, and if you're like a single guy, and you're like, exfoliation, you've clearly not felt how soft my face is, because it's amazing, <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, <clears throat> but she showed me a lot of amazing things, right? But one of the things that she really, really showed me that was super helpful is she pointed out that I have bad posture, um, which is noticeable because I'm, I'm a sloucher or I'm just really engaged in conversation depending on how you look at it. Because uh, that's what optimists say. They're like, I don't slouch. I'm just like really lean into conversation, you know? Um, but uh, I'm a sloucher, right? And so out of love, she goes, hey, we need to fix your posture because you're gonna be that old guy with like a humpback and no one wants that, right? Like, so, so in, in order for you to grow correctly, we need to do something about your posture, right? And so her lovingly calling out my posture was amazing because that helps me grow correctly, right? Now, 
I bring that up because I think as Christians, sometimes we have some posture problems. There's some moments in time when, when, when our posture isn't exactly the way that it should be, and we need the word of God to lovingly call us out and say, hey, your posture's off, and you're gonna grow in, in, in the wrong direction. You are gonna grow in an unhealthy way because of your posture. Now, that, that's probably not... Um, news flash to anybody in here, right? Like if you were to ask the average person out in the world, like, hey, how would you define the posture of Christians, specifically the posture of Christians to people who aren't in the church or people who aren't believers, they would say, man, they have a judgmental posture. They're not compassionate. They're holier than now, right? Like we, we have this posture problem where when the majority of people Granted, the people that, that we want to see in theory come to know Jesus, the posture that they see from us is one that's not a good posture. It's a posture that is condemning and judgmental. And what blows me away about, about that, and, and I understand it because I fall in that same category. But when I really think about the, the gravity of that idea, what I realize is that that posture is in no way reflecting or a, a reflection of the posture of Jesus. If our posture is one of being judgmental or uncompassionate or condescending, we look nothing like Jesus. Our posture looks nothing like the Savior that we claim and that we worship and that we sing about, the, the, the Savior that we claim to love and to follow. So what I want us to do tonight is really simple. I want us to just read Ephesians 2, and, and my hope and my prayer is that we allow the Word of God to correct our posture. Do we allow the word of God to humbly say, hey, your posture is off and out of a love for you. I want you to grow, to look like Jesus. That's what I want our posture to be like, and I think that we'll see that in <clears throat> Ephesians 2. So let's uh, turn there. Ephesians 2, Ooh, that's, a, that's a, a, a cable. That's not good for stepping on. Um, Ephesians 2, let's start in verse 11. Therefore, Remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. All right, start right there. So what Paul does is he starts off by, but he says, hey, I want you to remember who you are, or, or rather, who you were. I want you to remember that there was a point in time when you were on the outside, when your sin created this massive division, this massive gap between you and God, where um, it's not that you were just kind of at odds with each other. No, you were aliens. You were strangers. You were separated from God. You were without hope in the world. That's a massive deal. And he says, remember, twice, because we tend to forget this fact. <clears throat> if you look at the way that Christians tend to posture themselves, we function like insiders who have forgotten that we were once outsiders. We are, we are insiders who function like we forgot that there was a point in our lives when our sin separated us from God to the point that we, we are called aliens and strangers. God doesn't even know who we were. We had no relationship with God. Totally hopeless. And when we forget that, that changes our posture in a really negative way, right? And we forget that something drastic had to happen in order to take us from outsider to insider. And we see this in verse 13. Let's keep, <clears throat> keep going. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's huge. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. Right? So what we see here is Paul says, hey, this is who you were, this is who you are. You were aliens, strangers, separated from God, no hope, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, you who were far off have been brought near. It's not anything that we have done. We didn't earn our way. We didn't buy a seat at the table. Nothing that we did earned that transition in status. We went from outsider to insider solely because we have a God who loves us and loves us in such a way that he would allow his own son to die in our place. That we were far brought near by what? By the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. So when we forget that, though, when we forget that, that our only hope is the blood of Christ, when we forget that, that Christ's blood shed for us on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, that that's what allows us to approach the table of God, when we forget that, we begin to develop really bad posture because we begin to feel like, oh, no, I, I did this on my own. I'm, I'm pretty good. And, and we begin to develop this judgmental, this condescending posture because we've simply forgotten We've forgotten the gospel. We may know the gospel intellectually, but we have forgotten the gospel from a functional standpoint. That's bad news, right? Now, here's the deal. This happens to the best, best of us, right? I want to be really sensitive as I say that because this happens to the best of us, right? So um, even Peter. Peter was um, Jesus' best friend. He was his confidant. Peter was in the, 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 the in crowd. No one knew more about the gospel than Peter. Right? But we see this story in, in, in Acts 10 where Peter actually uh, forgets the gospel from a functional standpoint. And it's actually really awkward and hilarious when you see it. Right? So essentially, back, back, back story, Peter is uh, up on a roof. He's having a dream. And God comes to him in a vision and says, hey, I want you to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Gentiles meaning someone who's not Jewish. And he says, uh, no, I'm okay. Thanks, so. though. And he says, no, you don't tell me no. That's not how this thing, thing works, Peter. Um, you're going to go and you're going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. <clears throat> and he says, but, but they're unclean. They're, the, they're, they're Gentiles, right? And he says, don't you dare call anything that I've made unclean, right? And so um, there is this, this massive hostility between Jewish people and Gentiles because the Jewish people, even the Jewish Christians, the, the, the people who were claiming the gospel would, would look at the Gentiles and say, man, those people are unclean, right? Because they don't follow Jewish law. And so what's crazy about this scene is that this is 15 years after the resurrection, 15 years after the resurrection, the church in Jerusalem is blowing up. Peter is running the show. And like, well, Peter knows the gospel. He's been preaching the gospel for 15 years. And after 15 years, he still has never stepped foot in a Gentile's home. Because he has a posture that says those people are unclean. Right? So these guys, guys come and say, hey, will you come to our boy Cornelius' house, and will you teach us the gospel? And he says, okay. Um, and so we, we actually see this in Acts 10. I think it's up on the screen. Let me, let me read this to you. <clears throat> in verse 24, um, it, says, it says this. It says, and on the following day, 
They entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him, but Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. Now, first off, I think this is hilarious because like, Peter's like walking up and he's like, hey, um, what's up, man? And this dude just starts like worshiping Peter, right? And he's like, bro, get up. Like, stop, that's weird, that's awkward, I'm a guy. You're a guy, don't bullshit me, I'm the man, right? Um, and so he walks into his house, and we see this next. And as he talked with him, he, he went in and he found many persons gathered. So, so Cornelius brought all of his friends, all his family, just a house full of Gentiles, right? And then just imagine the awkwardness of Peter's first line. Like, this is his opening line to the Gentiles. He said, hey, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. That's his opening line, right? He walks in the house and he's like, hey, thanks for having me. Hey, so you, you guys know that I don't do this, right? You guys know that this is risque. You guys know that I don't associate with people like you, right? That's offensive, right? That's some, some, some gnarly posture. But check out how he finishes it because it only gets gets better. And then he says, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Or in other words, up until this moment, I considered all of you unclean. That's what he's saying, right? He, he walks in the house and he says, hey, you guys know that like, like, I don't do this. Like, you're a Gentile. I'm a Jew. And like, like, like we don't associate. And, and for this entire time, for the last 15 years that I've been proclaiming the gospel, I've thought that every single person in this room is unclean until this moment. How offensive is that, right? So offensive. But then he goes and he begins to preach the gospel. And all these people get saved. They hear the gospel and they receive the Holy, the Holy Spirit. And, and it, it's so foreign to Peter and all of his boys that in verse 45 it says, and the believers from among the circumcised, meaning the Jewish people who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. Like it, it didn't even cross their mind that God would ever save the Gentiles. And again, 15 years after the resurrection, 15 years of preaching day in, day out, you are saved by grace through faith in what Christ has done for you on the cross. That our sin separates us from God, but if you believe in Jesus, you're saved. How do we get here? How does he develop this kind of posture? I mean, Peter knows the gospel. How do you forget the gospel to such a standpoint that you develop this kind of posture? That's something you just forget. You just forget. And maybe you come here week in, week out, and you hear us talk about the gospel, and you think, man, like, I get it. The gospel, saved by grace through faith. Got it. Like, like give me something deeper. We preach the gospel over and 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 over because this kind of stuff happens. Because we are so prone to forget the gospel. And when we forget the gospel, it creates this posture that, is not, that looks nothing like Jesus. It looks nothing like Jesus. Right? Now, you may see this, read this, and think, man, I've never called anybody unclean, bro. Like, yeah, like, I might have some posture problems, but, man, I've never considered anybody to be unclean. Okay? 
I think that we see this exact thing play out, <clears throat> but in different ways, right? So, so I think that we develop this kind of posture oftentimes uh, toward people who don't act or behave like us since we're Christians, right? So um, I think something that we tend to, to forget is that when Christ went to the cross, <clears throat> he didn't just die for every sin. He died for every kind of sin, right? But when you become an insider, when you are kind of in the church scene for, uh, for a while and you follow Christ for a long time, what happens is that we begin to develop categories of respectable sin and not so respectable sin, right? And so what happens is that, is that my sin of pride is a lot more respectable than other kinds of sins, right? Or my, my sinful craving or desire for people to like me, even though that is wicked, is more respectable than other kinds of sins, right? And so we kind of have this ranking going on. And so what happens is that when we forget the gospel, when, when we forget that sin is sin, what happens is that we begin to disassociate ourselves. We begin to look at people and say, oh, well, they struggle with homosexuality, so I can't, I can't associate with that. That's like a taboo sin. I can't, I can't be seen with that person. I can't interact with that, that person because that's a, that person's a sinner. Or we look at people who are, who are craving affirmation or, and, and they're trying to find their worth and, and their value in, in people. And so we see people who are just sleeping around, just trying to feel loved, and we say, oh, well, that person's kind of a slut. I can't associate myself with that person. I'm Christian. And we develop this posture that is so unlike Jesus because we forget. We simply forget that at one point in time, we were far from God. That our sin, no matter how respectable your sin might be, that sin is what separated you from God. And you were only brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we forget that, Rather, when, when we remember that, that changes our posture. That allows us to, to, to view people with a, a sense of compassion and love and grace, knowing that, hey, like, <clears throat> I was there. Yeah, maybe our sin struggles are different, but I was there. I was far from God, and I was brought near by the blood of Christ, and I want you to know the grace of Jesus Christ. I want you to know the joy of walking with Jesus Christ. It, it changes our posture when we remember what the gospel actually is and what it actually did for us, right? And, and two, I think we, when we have that posture, when, or when, when we have a, a, a judgmental posture, it's so easy for us to, to miss out on people that God wants to use. I think we write off people that, that we assume God can never use, right? Like, let's take, take me, for instance. Um, <clears throat> depending on when you knew me in college, you would laugh at the thought of me being a pastor, um, there, there, there are certain people who knew me during certain seasons or phases in, in college when I wasn't really um, looking like a Christian. That if you were to say, hey, did you know that Josh Story is a pastor? They would laugh at you. Because how would God ever use that, that guy, right? In fact, um, and I, I, I know that because uh, about a month or two ago, I saw a friend from college at a concert. And I hadn't seen him since graduation. And he's like, he's like, hey, man, what's up, dude? I'm like, hey. And he goes, uh, so what are you doing now? He goes, I'm a pastor. And he goes, is that like a new thing? <laughs> I go, what? He goes, like, that like wasn't your, like, your plan in college, was it? I go, oh, no. He goes, yeah, I didn't think so. And I was like, cool. I guess I sinned more than I thought I did, you know? But like, 
But like, it's this, this, this idea of like, like, like people who, who, who knew me just as, as, as a person were, were shocked at the idea that, wow, that God could take that guy and use him, right? And the beauty of the gospel is that God loves to use people that no one would ever think he would ever use. And when we develop a posture that, that makes us disassociate from people because we believe that they're unclean, that they're sinners, because we've forgotten that we are also sinners, we got some problems. We have some major posture problems, right? Or if you, maybe your posture problem isn't one of looking at people who, who don't act like you. Maybe it's you have a posture problem for people who don't look like you, right? Maybe you look at refugees or immigrants or um, people who don't look like you and, you and you distance yourselves because you have forgotten that in this exact same text it says that we were once aliens, that we were strangers, that we were foreigners, but we were brought near because of Christ. And so maybe you say, well, well, well but, but dude, there's like, there's laws and regulations and there's like rules and, you know, all this other stuff. Okay, I get that. But let's put politics for a side for just a second. Let's just talk about, about people. Let's talk about people created in the image of God. People who are fellow image bearers. People who are running from tyranny, running from oppression. People who are raising their hand and they're saying, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm suffering here. People who just want a seat at the table. Our posture should be to look at people who are strangers and foreigners and aliens and say, hey man, I was there too. And the seat that I have at the table, I didn't earn that. I didn't work for it. I didn't do anything. God just graciously pulled up a chair and said, hey, sit down. Our posture toward people who do not look like us changes when we understand the gospel. Because we too were far from God. We've only been brought near. We've only been brought to the table because of what Christ has done, of what he has done for us. And maybe you hear, hear that and you think, all right, maybe I have some posture problems. Maybe there's some moments in time when I'm condescending or I'm judgmental or whatever. <clears throat> At the end of the day, is that really that big of a deal? Is it that big of a deal if I have some posture problems here and there? The answer is yes. A resounding yes. And let me, let me show you why. In John 13, <clears throat> Jesus is talking to his disciples and he, and he says this in verse 34. It'll be up on the screen. It says, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, catch that, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another. <clears throat> so at the end of the day, is our posture a big deal? Absolutely it is. Because Jesus says, the only posture that will allow people to recognize you as one of my followers is that if your posture is to love people like I loved you. And how did he love us? By sacrifice. He laid down his life for us. 
So if our posture isn't to lovingly lay down our lives, to sacrifice, to lay down our pride, our agendas, our comfort zones for people, then our posture is not a posture that reflects our Savior. And man, this is mission critical because people will not marvel at the grace of Jesus if they're distracted by the posture of his followers. People will not stand and marvel at how gracious and compassionate and loving and kind Jesus is when they're so distracted because his followers are judgmental and condescending. That makes no sense at all. So this is a massive deal because if our posture is not that of Jesus, none of this matters. Because Jesus says, hey, this is how people will know that you follow me. This is how people will know who I am. It's it's your posture. So my, my hope and my prayer tonight is we have a humble posture. That we allow the word of God to, to speak truth into our lives to say, hey, don't forget your story. Don't, don't forget the gospel, but don't forget your role in the gospel. Don't forget that your role is that you were the one who sinned. You were the one who created separation. You were the one who was far from God without hope in the world. But man, you've been brought near You've been taken in, and it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. May that truth drastically change our posture. Let me pray. Father, I'm, um, I know for me, I am convicted that I have followed you for so long. I have claimed you for so long, and yet my posture so often is so contradictory. My, my posture looks nothing like you. I brag about a God who is gracious and compassionate, a God who loves people where they are, who meets them where they are, yet my posture is to just huddle up and just be around people who look like, like me and act like me. That I don't associate with those who you long to come to know you. Father, for my brothers and sisters in the room tonight, I ask that you stir our affections, that you bring conviction to us, that you speak to us through your word, that that our posture may change, and that this city looks drastically different. Because when people interact with, with us, when they see us, when they meet us, They're seeing a glimpse of you. They're drawn to you. They they marvel at you because of our posture. Lord, will you change us, mold us, shape us to look more like you? It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.